0: Good morning. Hey, uh, my name is Michael, one of the pastors here. We're very excited to have you with us on this Sunday morning. Before I, uh, before I get started, I want to make a couple of announcements. One, Lois Verberg is coming this weekend, uh, both Friday night and then Saturday day, uh, to come and speak. Lois is the author of two books, Following in the Dust of the Rabbi and Sitting at the Feet of the Rabbi. Um, and what she does is she takes a look at the historical Jesus, who Jesus was, the life in which he lived, and the, and the way in which he lived. And what does that say about us um, as believers in Jesus, the Messiah? So how does it shape who we are? Uh, if you know Ray Vanderlyn, um, Ray Vanderlyn has been a great influence on this community in that regard. Uh, David likes to say that Lois is Ray Vanderlyn, um, but easy to read and understand. Um, and not nearly as mean. If you've ever been on a trip with Ray, you know of what I speak. So, uh, so she's coming. If you want more information about that, you can go online uh, and register and find out all you care to know or in the atrium after the service. Uh, the second thing is that, uh, uh, Easter is coming and we will be doing a Passover, uh, Seder meal again this year, uh, to celebrate. Uh, what Jesus uh, has done for us, um, it will be Saturday, March 30th at six o'clock here in the CLC. And we are looking for host families. And what that simply means is that you will host a table here in this room. Your responsibilities will not be that great. So uh, don't freak out. You don't have to have anybody to your house. It will be here. Um, and uh, if you if you would like to help us or just want to know more information about what that looks like, please come see myself or Stacy. Uh, after the service, we would be happy to, uh, to, to tell you more and, and love for you to be a, a host family for a table for that night. Um, I will say last year we had uh, about 100 people, I think it was, that came to the Seder meal and it was really a neat experience. We're going to do things differently this year. Uh, it's not going to be as long uh, of a Seder meal and we're going to end it with a worship service. Uh, so we're combining our last two years of Easter celebrations into, into one year and we're going to see what happens. Um, and so, uh, those are the, is there anything else Stace that I'm forgetting? Is Stacey gone? Stacey has left the building. Oh no, she's there. Nothing. All right, good. So, uh, a friend of mine wrote, uh, wrote an email or a text to, uh, some of us, uh, yesterday and he said, I really need prayers. Could you pray for me? This has been, um, a really tough, uh, week weekend. I just, it's been, um, kicking my tail and. Um, and, and I and I sent to him a, a sarcastic sarcastic response um, because that's what pastors do. Uh, and uh, but what I really wanted to say, I, I didn't. And what I wanted to say was, man, you were having um, a country song kind of weekend. And what I mean is this. His dog ran away. It was the was the oh, uh, was the first thing. And then he's cooking dinner for his new girlfriend, trying to really impress her um and the circuits in his house all just blow um and then she gets sick don't know if it was his cooking or not um and then he gets sick uh and um and his dog is st- still gone and i'm like dude this is a, just put that to a nice beat and you could sell that uh that is awesome that's a great play it backwards and everything happens The dog comes back right um it was just one of those things where I hate, I hate those weekends, right? Anybody ever have those uh, weeks, weekends? Yeah, I mean, pretty much all of us, right? Except you're, you perfect people. Um, so what I'd sent him was uh, what I was doing this weekend. And I said, it could be worse. And then I sent him a picture of where I was. So we have a seven-year-old daughter named Grace, if most of you are familiar with her. And she loves her some Elmo. Loves her some Elmo. Um, Most kids at age seven have moved on. Our five-year-old son has moved on into Star Wars and things of that kind of nature. Um, But Grace still loves Sesame Street and specifically Elmo. and, um, and, And so we decided that it would be great, a great thing, because we do a lot with Corbin and we do a lot of things for him. Um, if we uh took her to see Elmo live in Austin. Yes! Sesame Street Live can't stop singing. Um by the way, this sermon is brought to you today by the letter M. <laughs> and the number five. So uh I get tickets to uh to the show on Saturday at ten thirty, uh the the ten thirty matinee and uh and we, we, I got a hotel room. Uh, so we, my brother lives in Austin. Um, but we decided it would be more fun if we stayed, uh, as the four of us in a hotel room and just have a really great, like, you know, pre spring break. I was saying this is going to be our spring break vacation. And so we're staying, um, across the, the highway at the, at the Double Tree. for those of you who are familiar with the, it was at the Frank Erwin center, right across the highway from the Frank Erwin center at, at the Tree And, um, and, and we drive up there, we pick up grace had a long day. She'd been to the rodeo with her school on Friday and we get in the car and she takes a little nap and then, um, she's up and we're all excited. We're going to see Elmo and, um, and Austin, the traffic isn't as bad as Austin normally is. And however, I do drive through there every time going, why would you live here? Um, uh, but we, we get to the hotel and, and we check in and it's just like, the greatest moment just I mean Corbin is bouncing from bed to bed stuff that I would never allow him to do at home um Grace is just screaming at the top of her lungs and um just everybody's so happy and um and it's just great um so we we check in the hotel and everything we we wanted to get dinner and it wasn't working out with my brother so we're going I was like hey there's a papacito just like right here up 35 it's a little further than I thought it was up 35 um, but we're in the car and we pass by Dish Falk uh, Stadium, and and so they're playing a game uh, right there. And so people are tailgating everything. There's Longhorn flags everywhere. Corbin is sitting on the right side where the stadium is, and he has his window rolled down. And he goes, "Why are all these Longhorn things around here?" <laughs> well, buddy, this is where the University of Texas is. This is where. And his face goes from like this is the best day ever to like. And then he rolls his window up. One of my favorite moments that he's ever done in five and a half years. It was as if, why would you bring me here? Are, can I catch this? Let me roll my window up. And his whole countenance had changed. And it was awesome. And we we're like, no, 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 no. You know, um, you know, our good friend Carrie, she went to Texas, so we liked some some people, but, you know, but Uncle Scott and Aunt Rhonda, they both went to A&M. So when we see them tomorrow, you know, they live here. But I so said, although Uncle Scott went to Texas Law, so we're a little mm, on him. And so we're like, you know, pointing around. And he finally, uh, you know, he kind of calms down. We go to Papacito's and Papacito's is uh, packed um, and it has that smell that Papacito's. Does anybody know the smell I'm talking about? Every Papacito's has it. It's nasty, um, but they have great fajitas. Um, so we, we go and it is just crowded. It's crowding gonna be We're waiting. Um, we sit down and I spend the whole dinner trying to keep grace in her seat, uh, cause they don't have booths. And so she's just like everywhere and I'm trying to hold her down. And, um, it was very tiring. We spent way more money there than we ever have on the four of us ever. I'm like, what did you order? Uh, Corbin. Um, and, and so we, we leave, we go back to the hotel and we go into the room and everybody's so excited. We do a bath, um, in, in the bathtub and, uh. And then we get in bed and, you know, it's it's seven o'clock and and th- this is going to sound really bad, but there's a bar downstairs. I'm like, do you think we can leave them? Um, we decided not to uh, just to let you know that we felt like we should just stay there with them, maybe. And, and so uh, and Grace had already actually opened the door on her own and taken off down the hallway. So we thought that was kind of a bad move. Um, so we stay in there, Corbin and Grace are going to share a bed. They're in bed together. Um, and, um, the night was, um, Les Miserables. <laughs> it was really bad. It was, um, I, I mean, Corbin flips more than anyone I've ever known, uh, as he sleeps. I didn't know this about him because I've never really been in the room with him, I guess when he sleeps but he tosses and turns, he throws his arms about. He makes so much noise um, uh, for a little person. And then Grace grinds her teeth so loudly. It's as if she is right in your ear, just grinding. And you know it's got to be just this painful sensation. I don't know. but um, And so it's just like. I'm a light sleeper anyway. Um, And so every time they would turn or a grind would happen to be like up. So we were up for hours and then we switched Jenna and Corbin get into bed together and then they're snuggling and I get Grace who pushes me out of bed twice. And (laughs) it was a great night. Um, And on the other side of that, we have Elmo live at the Frank Irwin Center. So we get up, we go to breakfast with my brother and uh, his wife and one of their daughters and which was great. Um, trying to feed Grace, but Grace was so attached to wanting um, Aunt Rhonda's phone, and Aunt Rhonda had said no. Whatever, Aunt Rhonda. Um, <laughs> we'll remember that next month at your birthday. And uh, so she she says no. Uh, she had just gotten a new iPhone 5 with no case. And uh, my brother hesitated, but I went, really? Um, and so he gave her his, but uh, she wanted Rhonda's. And so it was just this whole breakfast of... Ah, this type stuff. And that, I don't know if you know, that gets annoying after a while. And then it gets really, you know, old. And then you're like, just stop. Sit here and eat. There's pancakes in front of you. Who doesn't like pancakes from Denny's? We were at a Denny's, yeah. Because it was not a La Quinta, but there was one right next to it. Um, So we're, we're eating. They drop us off at the Frank Irwin Center. We go in and grace just explodes uh, with joy at this. It was really cool for five minutes. She uh, was so excited, so happy. Just they start. Murray comes out and he's like, the word on the street. Um, and, and then he does the song and it was just she was so excited for five minutes. But then she's like, this is stupid. Let's go. And Jenny goes, how long is this show? And I went and asked somebody an hour and a half. Why would you make the show that long? It so it's an hour and a half show and Grace is ready at five minutes. So Grace and I spent a long time walking through the hallways of the Frank Irwin Center. And she keeps looking outside. She's like, we should be out there. And I'm like, I know that's where I want to be, too. Um, but we spent a lot of money. So get back in here and watch Elmo. There he look. There's there he is right there. Your guy. Um, and he's singing songs to you because he can't stop singing. Um. And it just, you know, it was just one of those times that was just blaringly obvious to us. The normalcy of everyone around us who had their two and three-year-olds with them. And here we sit with our seven-year-old, who we think would enjoy this, love it. But after five minutes was pulling Jenna's face, hitting on me. Let's get out of here. So we drive back and on the way back, um, she is still kind of in grace mode, not content, not happy and letting us know it. So we get home and, um, and Jenna asks all of us, you know, what was your favorite time? And I say, and Corbin says, and Jenna says, that when we checked into the hotel, those brief moments. I said, and maybe the first five minutes of the show, when she was so happy, that was a tambourine moment. So in Exodus chapter 15, verse 20, it says this, then Mary And Miriam the prophet, Aaron's sister, took a tambourine and led all the women in rhythm and dance. And Miriam sang this song, I will sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. He has thrown both horse and rider into the sea. Now, what's going on here? They had just reached the other side of the Red Sea. If you remember previously in the Exodus of Israel, um, they are slaves for generations in Egypt. God comes and uh, Moses comes back to Egypt and God says, all right, let's end this. Let's get your let's get your people out. My people out Um, sends 10 plagues. Finally, Pharaoh goes, you know what? We've had enough. You go out, worship God how you need to. Um, and and then, you know, it's thinking you'll come back in three days. Uh, so they go out. They, they take everything with them, the gold, the silver, the clothing from the Egyptians. They're wandering around, pillar of fire by day, uh, by night, pillar of cloud by day. And they, they come to the Red Sea and they look up. And here comes the army of Egypt after them, because Pharaoh has decided, you know what? This is going to destroy our country to let our economy go. So we need to go back and get them. So he takes off with all the chariots, all the horses, all of his armies. God breaks the sea open. Israel, 600,000 people plus the stragglers who were following along, uh, along, get to the other side. The Egyptian army is like, hey, that's a great idea. Uh, Let's go in, too. So they go into the middle of the sea. Once Israel is safe on the other side, God commands Moses to raise his hand. Staff, once again, the waters come down. The last vestiges of the power of Egypt are gone. Right there. And Miriam pulls out a tambourine. Because, you know, when God gives you a few moments to leave slavery and hundreds of years of oppression, and you begin to think of things, what am I going to take with me? The first thing you think of is, I got to grab the tambourines, right? Because you never know when you need more tambourine. I mean, seriously, how many of you think when, uh, let's remember how they left. They, Moses says like, hey, we need to go. Don't let your bread rise. You need to go right now. Go to your neighbors, take, ask this stuff. God told us to do this and then get out. You're going around the house going, I'm going to take, oh, the picture that little Moses drew and, and this and that, blah, blah, blah. You're like getting out. You just saw all of these babies and, and old men and men, the firstborn, die. All of this stuff has gone on. Think of where your mind is. You're like, it's freedom. Let's go. Wait, we let, who cares? We'll buy one at Walmart in the wilderness sometime. We have gold now. We're rich. You just leave, but Miriam. Now, Miriam's uh, name comes from two root words: mar, which means bitterness, and Mary, which means rebellious. So her name, she's like this angry, rebellious person. Um, she's like an Irishman, right? Um, she's like it's this. She was born during the most bitter time of the people of um, of Israel, when the oppression is just so severe and so great. But she has this rebellious nature about her that says, you know what? I'm not standing for this. Um, So here's a story that um, the the rabbi scholars tell of of Miriam. They call her a prophet right here. Aaron's sister, the prophet. Later they will call her Moses' sister. But now they call her Aaron's sister. And there's a reason for this, that her first prophecy is about Moses. The reason she's called a prophet is because she prophesies that her mother and father will have a son and that son will lead them to freedom. Now, what happens is uh, the Pharaoh makes this decree that all the all males born to the Israeli people, to the Hebrew people, should be killed. Um, and so he goes to these two midwives and he talks to these two midwives, Moses's mother and Miriam, um, and they're like, yeah, we're not going to do that. Moses, father at the time, this is before Moses is around, decides that in order to stop the shedding of the Hebrew people's blood, he is going to divorce his wife. And he sends out this decree to all the Hebrew people. You should divorce your wives. We should have no more children so that no more of our people will die in such a way. Miriam goes to her dad and she's like, dad. What Pharaoh says is a temporary thing, but what you're saying is going to shape our nation forever. Not only are you getting rid of the males, but you're also ensuring that no females will ever be born again, too. And by the way, you and mom, you're going to have a little boy who's going to lead us to freedom. So her dad listens to her and he says, OK, he gets remarried. Goes to the Sanhedrin, says, hey, remember when I said everybody should be divorced? <laughs> no, we shouldn't do that. We should move forward. He gets married, remarried to his wife. They have Moses. He's a boy. He is to be killed. What do they do with Moses? They put him in the basket. They send him in the Nile River, hoping for him to be safe. Who is it that's watching over him during this time? Miriam, his sister. Is standing off in the shadows watching to see if he is okay. Pharaoh's daughter comes down. She sees this basket. She goes, investigates, pulls him out, this baby. Miriam jumps on it and goes, hey, I know a wet nurse down in the village who could take care of him for a while. Pharaoh's daughter says, this is a great idea. Miriam takes her little brother back to his mom. He spends the most formative years of his life learning his identity from his mom and dad, that he is a child of God. So when he goes into Egypt, he does not forget who he is. And that enables him to lead his people to freedom. Miriam, in the midst of all of this bitterness and this oppression, Has such a rebellious streak that she's like, uh uh, this isn't gonna happen because I believe in a God who's bigger than this. So when Moses gives the command for everybody to pack up and get out, Marion grabs a tambourine. Why? Because one day is a day, there is going to come a day when we celebrate. One day there will be a day when we dance and we sing because God answered. Our cries. One day there will be a time, I don't know when it will come, I don't know how it will come, but there will be a time when I pull out my tambourine and I go to town, praising God for the way that he answered. She had such a strong faith in the face of this insurmountable oppression, these overwhelming odds as, as the Egyptian army comes crashing down upon them. You sure I'm sure there is all kinds of discussions about what they should do. Uh, maybe we can um, send like the old people towards the Egyptian army just to die and hold them off while the rest of us run around the other way. Maybe we can do this. Maybe we should just give up. All. Nobody probably said, hey, let's just part the sea. But God goes, hey, here's what's going to happen. Raise your hands. Walk through on dry ground. And when Miriam gets to the other side, Moses sings his song, but at the end of it, he just sings acapella because Moses wasn't ready. Miriam was ready. Miriam knew that God would answer. Miriam knew that there would be a day when celebration would happen. So she packed a tambourine. She was ready. She was ready to praise God. She lived her life with a faith that says, It may be dark right now, but there will be a day when light shines. It may be right now the worst thing that we could ever imagine, but there will be a day when God moves. And I'm going to be ready. Last week we had our meeting with uh, the government. We've been getting hours. We've had, uh, at times, a nurse in our home 40 hours a week because of Grace's medical condition. Um, and we get a lot of money from the government to help support that. Uh, last year, we got denied because, praise God, she's healthy enough to not qualify any longer. But we weren't ready. We still needed help. Um, we qualify for some other things, but there's a waiting list, and we're like seven, 8,000 down on the waiting list. And and so we we meet we get denied we appeal and um, and and the uh, uh, appealing phone conference uh, the state doesn't show up and our caseworker says uh, and because they don't show up we are automatically approved um, for this past year and our caseworker says he and this nurse who were on the phone call with us had over sixty years of experience um, in this. Um, thing, and they have never seen They are they're like the state does not not show They always Show up to say no Always they have never missed A call And then he says This is something only God Could do well, Amen brother Hallelujah So last week The same meeting happened and um, They come to our house and they review everything And they talk about grace and um, and all this stuff, and he 's like, "Get ready for the appeal because it's not you 're not going to qualify this year you 're going to be denied again um, and so we 're dealing with that, and, and we 're spinning our heads spinning around, and our speech person left and we 're trying to find someone else and and all of this stuff just is mounting and mounting and mounting and mounting and i can 't remember when it was, but um, Jenna called me this morning and told me I could share this Jenna hit The wall exploded, whatever you want to say, and um, went into the ugly cry. Uh, It was not pretty. Um, I find her down on the floor. She's just, the kids are finally in bed, and, and she's just losing it. And she's looking to me. And I'm like, sorry. We live our lives in the red line. She's like, what does that mean? Like an engine, we have it completely always pressed down in the red line. And sometimes the engine explodes. This is one of those times. But I'm kind of right there too right now. So I got nothing else for you. Good luck, husband of the year. And we go through these seasons... Where it seems like nothing goes right. Where it seems like every time we are around her, Grace is pulling on us, hitting us. It is never content to be where we are. We have nothing that she wants. Around other people, she's fine. Which we're thankful for. But quite frankly, it also makes us really mad. So, I think it's a great idea to go to Elmo. Elmo. We go up to Austin And we have this whole experience I gotta tell you I'd do it again For the look that she was giving me As we sat down And here comes Sesame Street Live She looked up at me with this face That was so pure joy Dad, I know you don't want to be here, but thanks. Thanks for thinking of something else that I would like. She can't tell me that. But kicking this, <laughs> There she goes. She's tired of me talking about her. But kicking the seat in front of in front of her and looking up at me and just this sheer exuberance of joy. That was a moment where she handed me a tambourine and said, "God is faithful. God brings moments of light in a world of darkness. We don't know when they come, but they come. So carry your tambourine with you." Because there will be moments when you least expect it that you want to give God praise. And I got to tell you, it was not I thought at Sesame Street Live. This was one of those moments where I was like, God, really? And God said, Really? Pull out your tambourine and let's party. I want to live a life. Where I constantly have that tambourine with me. That no matter what is going on, the darkness that surrounds me, that the world that crushes me at times, that I know that I will eventually get to the other side of the sea and I will have a chance to praise God. We need to live our life to celebrate. And sometimes it's so that other people can see us dancing and singing and they can be reminded of the fact that God answers. So if you've just come through the sea and it's time for you to pull out your tambourine and sing and dance, do it. Tell people about it. Share it with the world because we need that light. There are days that we all live in the red lines and our engines are exploding and we get the ugly cry and we can't we believe, go on any longer. But if we hold that tambourine and we remember that God parts, seas, it makes those moments so much sweeter. That's Grace telling me it's time to wrap it up. Back there in the back with somebody's iPhone. Awesome. tambourine moment. She can work an iPhone better than most everybody in this room. (laughs) Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you that you're a God who answers. When the people of Israel cried out in a state of depression, in a state of oppression, in a state of slavery, you answered. It wasn't in the timing that they thought. It wasn't in the way they thought. But you answered and you brought them to freedom. And they praised you. When the people of the world cried out because we were lost in death and sin. We didn't even deserve it. But you sent your son. And you answered. You sent your son to give his life so that we might have ours. That is a tambourine moment. God, we all go through those moments where we feel like the darkness is going to win, where the addiction, or whatever it is, is going to win. Help us to remember the times when you've moved. Help us to remember the times when you have answered. Help us to pack our tambourines. And when we get to the other side of the sea, let us praise and rejoice. Amen.